Welcome to Dynasty Theory, your source for everything Dynasty fantasy football, with your host, John Bauer. I'm looking to sell everybody price dependent. Dan LaMagna. Too much dysfunction in Cleveland. And Mitch Sorensen. Well, it's hard to compete with excellence. We are back with another episode of Dynasty Theory. If you're watching live on YouTube, you already know you're not stuck here listening to me ramble on and on and on. I'm joined once again by the man, Mitch Sorensen, finally making his triumphant return to our eh, typically weekly, now bi-weekly show of Dynasty Theory. What's going on, Mitch? What's going on, dude? Like, so for everyone who doesn't know, I... Let's see what happened. I got went to the emergency room in middle of December, had my appendix emergency removed. I was getting like texts from John that I didn't know about because I was, you know, out on the bed. So my wife finally texted him back. Hey, and, listen, I didn't hear from you all day. It's true. And true. I was feeling like a stalker. I'm like, okay, like he didn't read this yet. Like, like it, <laughs> the, the dots aren't showing up. What's going on? Then a few hours went by. I was like, okay, something's got to be wrong here. Yeah. And yeah. then I saw the beginning. Hey, this is Mitch's wife. I'm like, uh, what's the rest of this going to say? But I mean, appendicitis. Yeah. It's all right. It could be, it could be worse. It could, uh, without a doubt. It's easier to say that when I'm not the one dealing with it. Yeah, it could be worse. It could be worse. So, like, I missed a week of work because of that. Went back for a good solid week, and then I got COVID. So then I missed another week of work, and now I'm finally back, finally healthy, and I could finally record. You know, we did that little patron episode on Saturday, and my voice gave out after like 45 minutes. Like, it's just not used to talking that much. It was getting scratchy. It was kind of getting that. You know, it improved. Uh, very wispy voice, but yeah, we're we're back. Uh, like Mitch just mentioned, we did a 90 minute episode Saturday morning startup conversations. I had a full blown, no joke. I had a PowerPoint presentation prepared. That was a lot of fun, but, but we're doing a lot of exclusive content on the Patreon five bucks a month. Check it out. Link is in the episode description. If you're listening on YouTube or the podcast feed, wherever you typically listen to us. This could be a long show, Mitch. I told you, this one can go hours and hours and hours, and we won't get to any other segment. We'll just keep going back and forth. But again, and I said this on Saturday, but this is what happens when you and I don't speak too much. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, we're in, we're in the Discord, we're in the chat, we're talking, we're BSing. But there's a lot that has been going on and a lot of conversations. And you, you know, you, you know very well, whenever one person comes out with a tweet on Twitter, mm-hmm. there's an avalanche. And there's a million other tweets that are about the same exact topic, same exact player. So we see it over and over and over again. And at this point in time with the playoffs, you know, progressing here and the fantasy season, obviously over a lot of that has gravitated towards the 2022 rookie draft. And of course that brings in the 2023 rookie draft in those picks and how sought after they are. Everybody's just going nuts over them. Myself included guilty. I'm doing the same thing. So I'm sitting there. Oh yeah. Everyone's uh, they're going nuts. I'm doing it too. But the point of us bringing that up, you've been pressuring me for, I don't months, months. It's been months, at least months to have, a show dedicated to basically players that you don't want to be left holding the bag. Mm -hmm. You don't want to be stuck with them. And if you look at the situations going on right now, 
it could be, you know, we talk about Tyler Lockett a lot in the show. I feel like he gets a lot of heat from us. Even if he does well, he gets heat from us. But Lockett, Hopkins, Zeke, players, that ship has sailed from a value perspective. And you could talk about any player. You know, there were so many of them. Look at the list. I, I jotted down just a few names in the last few years. Sometimes it's a gradual progression or regression, if you will. Sometimes it's a few years. Sometimes it's multiple ups and downs and buys and sells all within one calendar uh, season. But Evan Ingram, Odell Beckham, Todd Gurley, Juju, Julio Jones, Jameis, Kenny Galladay, on and on and on, where you always had opportunities along the way to get out if you wanted to, right? And that's kind of where we are with a lot of the players. But you you have a list of players here, and I'm going to kind of go and uh, uh, focus tonight's episode on that list of players. But then we started talking about the picks, and that's mm-hmm. why I, I started the episode saying everybody's talking about the rookie picks. Is there a concern? And I have a lot of leagues where I have a lot of 2022 picks. You talk about players. You're left holding the bag. You're stuck with these guys. Is there a concern that these 22 picks could be seen in a, in a similar light that we might get stuck with them. And, and I say that we might be on the clock and it's like, I can trade that pick. I can trade it. And you're stuck taking a player that you're not extremely high on. You're concerned that if you then hang on to that player, you're going to see a tremendous loss in value, maybe in just the next 12 months. Yeah. I think it could easily be the case with the 22 picks is you're stuck with them. But in my opinion, I'm fine with it. I know people are bashing this draft, but, and the 23 draft is amazing. Like I'm not saying it's not for one second, but as a dynasty community, we are way too confident on what we could say, what prospect is going to be good. What prospect is not like right now, everybody, and this includes just on the NFL side, not talking about dynasty or fantasy or anything. They're like, Hey, this 2023 class is going to fix this, this team. And it's going to fix this team. Like, the class is going to be good, but there's going to be a whole bunch of people that fail in the class as well. And so while we're bringing up, oh, there's six running backs who are going to start in the NFL, no, there's probably going to be three. That's just how these things work. And so while the 23 class, we like the prospects a little bit more, I'm fully confident the 22 class is going to have two or three running backs we were out like. There's going to be one really late wide receiver that comes out of the class. There's going to be a couple quarterbacks that are a little bit lower on the list, and it's going to be okay. The biggest difference for this class is no one wants to buy into the 101, 102, and 103 because we just don't know who the 101, 102, or 103 is going to be at this point. To where with the 23 class, you could take right now. You could be like, you know what? I'm going to get Bryce Young in a Superflex League. Yeah, and, and we've talked about that. This is These are conversations. So if you were in our Discord, which is a fantastic community, if you even have a small ounce of interest in fantasy football, there's conversations going on 24-7 uh, that, I don't. what is that comment in the chat? I, I Something, don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm confused here. I'm easily confused. But we're going through... And we're talking about this and we're having these conversations 24-7 from people across the the globe, you know, multiple different Mm -hmm. countries. But a lot of the conversations and and the questions that are popping up, one specifically, where do we see that drop off? And you and I, we talked about this off the air and uh, a similar conversation over on last was it last week's episode of dynasty and chill our, our guy scott connor he had mm-hmm. ray garvin on and th- they had a fantastic breakdown of this and i think 
you know, listening to that, my my overall thoughts on the class and the tipping points that they had mentioned, it varies a little bit. Mm-hmm. And we all know Ray is one of those voices in the fantasy community that when he speaks, people listen. Without a doubt. And if we have, you know, at least me personally, I can't speak for you necessarily, but if we have varying views and opinions and values in the way this draft is going to look, that is where I think there are some benefits uh, to those bigger voices really talking about, you know, where their their breaking points are, where their drop off is, where their tiers are. Because for me, I think it, it's it plateaus fairly early and there are picks that I am very, you know, I don't want to say very comfortable, comfortable having based on my pre-draft evaluation and the way I'm looking at these players. Now, could things flip upside down whenever we have the NFL draft? Sure. One of the quarterbacks that I like a heck of a lot is Malik Willis, but I'm seeing NFL mocks that might even have him slipping to the second round. If he does, I always say, I don't want a second round quarterback. See you Malik. You're out. Unless you're Drew Locke. Do love Drew Locke. Oh my gosh. I do love Drew Locke. But anyway, yeah. So, you know, if you're listening to Dynasty Theory, I, I know you've heard of Dynasty and Chill. Go check out not just that episode, maybe the episode that the Mitch has guested on, maybe the couple episodes I've guested on. That's just fantastic content. Have to give a shout out to our man Scott over there. But, you know, I, I think looking at these picks and, and that tipping point, where do you feel comfortable? Because we talk about the 23 class all the time. And some people are willing to move an earlier first in 22 for any pick in 23. Where do you lie on this issue today, right now, January 18th? So you're asking what pick would I move a 22 straight up for a 23 for? Assuming there is no pushback and, and I have to accept. So I, I have mean, my 23 first. I'm much lower than everybody else's. I'm like 110, 111. And even then, I don't know if I would do it because my problem is I would have to look and see what that 23 first looks like coming back to me. Because I know that draft is looking amazing. But if I'm getting a later 23 first, like you have the rookies we get in the later first, like a lot of times they're not that good. Like this past year, we had what Rondell and Bateman. You get had Javante, which was awesome. But if you got one of the wide receivers, then how much value do you really have at this point? Like you're hoping that Bateman is going to hold value. There is no chance Rondell is going to hold his value here for this summer. And so for me, it's a little bit lower because I have a little bit of confidence that the back end of this draft isn't as horrible as what everybody's saying. And I could get that production for a year and then worry about the back end of the 23 draft when that actually happens. Because I don't want to trade a back end first now for a back end first later. And I think that's the issue. You know, we say this class isn't great and I, that's a collective we, right? Mm -hmm. But looking at it, it's because of that higher end talent. It's not the Jonathan Taylors, the Ezekiel Elliott, the Saquon Barkley type prospects at running back. It's Brees Hall. Yeah. And again, he's not coming. (laughs) Yeah. And that was actually, that was the, the comparison they mentioned uh, over on dynasty and chill. But I mentioned those other names they were slipping or well, I guess other way they were creeping up towards the back end of the first mm-hmm. in startups before they took the field. We're not going to see that with Brees Hall. We're not going to see that with Traylon Burks. We're not going to see it with any of the quarterbacks, Matt Corral, the golden Corral 
is my number one as things sit today. But I'm looking at my tiers, and I have those three that I would I would feel comfortable taking. If there were a startup today, rookies included, not draft picks, I would take them in the first four rounds, sitting there in, in that fourth round of the startup, because we talk about that insulated value, at least for, for year one. Unless you go out there and completely bomb, you have that insulated value. Um, but then I talk about the way I have this draft class and where I see it plateauing. I see a plateauing right around that 104, honestly, because we don't know about those other quarterbacks. You know, I, I like how I like Pickett, I like uh, uh, Malik Willis, like I mentioned earlier, and then the other running backs, Kyron Williams and Isaiah Spiller. There's me question marks there too, even with those two guys. Um, so, looking at that tier, I'm right. That, that this is a long way of me saying, Mitch, because you know I'm never going to say anything. It's very true. I'm going to draw it out. I'm going to build the suspense. I, I, I want to, you know, I have the chance now to talk to somebody. So I got to talk. All right. It's not just me talking to nobody here. Um, but this is a long way of me saying I'm right there with you at that 110 mark. And I would move 111 or 112 for a 23 first. And I, I don't think in the chat. People, yeah, yeah. I was a grumpus this morning. People were giving me a hard time. Well, JB, that's not going to accept it. Well, I, that's where I would feel comfortable moving that pick. And I, I think that is going to be an issue. I don't think a lot of people are going to accept that trade. I completely agree. No one is going to accept it. I mean, someone's going to have to fall in love with a player that drops for that to be accepted. And I don't think it's going to. It's something that we brought up with these 23 firsts. You know, we could go on Twitter at any point. We could say, hey, what should I trade? this player for and the answer ends up being oh do a 23 first plus or whatever the problem is no one is going to be trading 23 first like in a normal season let's say 2022 season you could see four or five of those first getting moved from different teams in for the 2023 draft if that isn't like a startup that is a little bit different it's if it's a set existing league we're not seeing 23 first moved. Like it's just not happening to where you might see one, two or three, but if you don't have a player that those one, two or three teams want, you're not getting a 23 first. So I could be like, Hey, I want to move. I bought Bateman before, right? I want to move Bateman. What should I get? I'm not getting a 23 first for Bateman. There's no. just no way, but I could probably get the 111 or the 112 in the 22 draft. I would love to make a trade involving a 23 first. And I asked, I asked people in the chat in our discord. I said, Hey guys, how many of you personally mm -hmm. have made a trade in even the last month involving a 23 first that you owned and you shipped it off? I think one or two people responded. Mm -hmm. And then we got a bunch of, Hey, JB, this wasn't my trade, but no, no, no. I want to know, did you make a trade? And of course, some of that comes into play where, oh, it's the hive mind kind of mentality and situation. Everybody's sharing the ideas and it kind of morphs into one. I get that. But if you go on, even on Twitter with a little bit wider range there within the dynasty community, most people are still going to be on board with those 23 first. It's going to be so difficult to find a trade partner that's willing to move it. I've had people flat out say fair offer. I don't want to move a pick. Yep. Just flat. Out. So there's nothing you can do in that situation. So I think in terms of actionable advice and you and I are guilty of this too. I know I do. Oh, I would love to pivot off of that for uh, 
player A to 23 force. I, we all do it. But I think in terms of actionable advice of what could potentially get done, we have to get away from that as a blanket statement. I say we, as, as a dynasty community, anybody providing content, I think that's important and critical to look at. Um, but yeah, you know, that is where we're sitting right now on those 23 picks versus the, the 2022 picks. Now, if you're in, in a startup and, uh, you know, if, if everything was, was even and those 23 players were involved and they're all coming out at the same time, it's probably going to be quite different. Oh, and I, oh, yeah, it's it's going to be quite different. So a- anything else on the rookie picks again, getting getting left holding. Is there a concern like like do you think we see a lot of and I, I think we do, but I'm going to pose the question to you anyway. Maybe you'll disagree. Do you think we see any of these, you know, I'm going to move my 109 because I'm not comfortable with the players there for a veteran but maybe a, the under market value essentially just to get rid of that, just to get a known commodity. Oh, I th- definitely think so. I think we could see someone like Keenan Allen moving for those late first to where if it was the 23 draft, but Keenan was the same age as he's going into this upcoming season. I think he's 30. You're not getting a first for Keenan Allen. If that's the point, it's just, this draft is so frowned on. I actually think that like David Montgomery, I, we brought him up earlier and he's someone that, I could see that 109 getting moved for to where when you're really on the draft and you see those rookie guys coming out, like normally we'd be like, Oh, Kenneth Walker at the 109, or I have to get a 25 year old running back in Montgomery. No, I'm going to take the rookie every time. But this back end of the draft, I think there's going to be so many people just across the dynasty landscape who don't like this draft, who are going to buy into this draft. Isn't good get your veteran players and then get your rookies in the 23 draft to where I think there's going to be a very good buying opportunity. On the other hand, there's going to be some good players that come out of this draft. Like I don't care what anybody says it's going to happen. And if you could get on those players and you could get them at, you know, at a decent discount compared to what you're going to look at, everyone's talking about him and I'm only bringing him up because of, you know, the jerseys behind me, but Amon Ross St. Brown, right? He went the back end of the second round, but everyone's like, no, no, we need Terrence Marshall before him because Terrence Marshall is going to be amazing. We need Bateman. We need Rondell. And it's like, we really don't know. We could act like, no, we know what's going on. There's every chance in the world that Jameson Williams could come out and be amazing by like October of next year. And he could be the next Justin Jefferson, you know, not that good, but, you know, get on the wavelength. And it could happen. He has the speed to do it, but no one's saying it because they just don't like this class. So no one's going to prop anybody up besides it seems like Traylon Burks at this point. And I have no idea who else, anyone else is propping up. Tell you the truth. I will be very interested three years down the road, you know, looking at how this draft plays out in particular, because if you go back 2021, there was hype Mm -hmm. 2020, there was hype. Even 2019, and, and that was the one, it was like Kyler Murray, Dwayne Haskins, Daniel Jones. You know, there, there were a lot of issues coming out of that draft. But I, I would say to compare it to another class, 2019 might be mm-hmm. a similar one. And again, it comes down to the ceiling of the players. That's the issue that people have. They don't have that high profile player. And you you hit the nail on the head, mo- possibly moving these picks for veterans 
because you don't want to make the wrong choice. Yeah. Like I know what David Montgomery is. Exactly. I, I feel yeah. comfortable you can feel safe with, that. At night with that. Yeah. I, I can, I can tuck myself into bed, grab my pillow. I feel wonderful, but now I'm a nervous wreck because I'm sitting there at 106, 107. And there, there is that fuzziness. There is that mm-hmm. plateau that I talked about, at least in my opinion, yeah. in my mind, that's where I am right now. Um, you know, so we'll see how these next few months play out because I, we're going to talk about this a lot. So, I was just actually thinking of this real quick. So when we were talking about the 2020 draft, I said, like, if you're in a one quarterback league, I would hate this draft because, you know, we had fields going high. We had Lance going high. We had Trevor Lawrence going high. 2021 draft. Yeah. 2021. Sorry. Sorry. So going into this draft, I would actually love to be in a one quarterback league for this draft because I don't want any of the quarterbacks, but if I could hit on some skill players, I'd be more okay with that, which is just, drastically different than what any other class we've really had in recent years. I really think there's going to be a nice opportunity. I know people are down in this quarterback class. I understand that, but for quarterbacks, we want that first on draft capital. And if we get three or four, oh, we will. which I would, you know, with, with the, the carousel, the quarterback position, I think we're going to see a lot of recycled players, you know, uh, the, the cars, the Garoppolo's, the cousins, even Wentz going from one team possibly to another. But I, I think, Getting one of these quarterbacks at 108, 109, 110, you know, if we're talking about a, a 25 to 40% hit rate on any of the positional players at that point, give me the quarterback because we know how absurdly valued they are. Um, even the, even the middle tier quarterbacks. So mm-hmm. I don't need, I don't need one of these guys to be the next Patrick Mahomes. And it'd be wild to even think that that could be a possibility. I mean, just being able to draft a quarterback and not having to rely on Carson Wentz on your team anymore, that's yeah. a win in my view. That makes this draft completely okay. But uh, I think this goes, that tier break, It's very, I think it's very similar to last year. Again, just the the caliber overall as prospect you know, goes, it's lower. But I still think I was very happy with those 109s and 110s last year. And I think I'm going to be in the same boat in comparison when looking at people taking Matt Corral or Brees Hall at 101 or Traylon Burks. That's my top tier across the positions. So I I, I think there's going to be value here. There is. And we have to remember, everyone hated last year's class in February, too. Like, people did not like last year's class. They liked the quarterbacks. No one wanted Najee. No one wanted ETN. But then Javante all of a sudden is running back three and no one was taking Javante, you know, over ETN. There was, you got a ton of Javante, but you got him later in drafts because everyone was taking ETN in front of him. I mean, it's just what happens to where everyone gets down these drafts. No one's going to get down the 23 draft until like the 24 draft starts. Then maybe it'll happen. But I think right now, I just want to preach some caution with, you're going to hear a lot of, oh, move this 22 first for whatever. In my view, I think it's still worth it. Even if you get stuck on the clock with that player and you have to make a pick, you're still going to get some good players out of this draft. I told you right now, it's it's at 10 for me. So if I'm sitting there with 111, eh, let's see if I can get a deal done because that's where I start to lose a little bit more confidence. Let me ask you, and I want you to look into your crystal ball really quick. We already know the 23 class is absurdly valued. Yes. And is it is it warranted? Probably. Yeah. Possibly. 
there's enough running backs that's that's what makes it worth it how much higher can those picks go like right now right now people you know i'll trade 108 for a random 23 first okay and obviously if you're trading it for that random 23 first there is risk that it's a 108 to 112 range uh, how how high can these picks go like like we're sitting there this time in 23 like you do a startup how many 23 picks are going super early oh, seven or eight of them at least i mean i think they are going to climb just because at that point that's when people will start putting names to the picks and people will know this isn't an early 23 first this is the 102 in 23 and that's when I see the values will climb a little bit then. But as far as from like now until January, I don't think the price is going to go that much higher on the 23 first because it's already that high to begin with. But I think once you could actually start putting names and you actually know exactly where they're going to fall in the draft, I think that's when we see little bumps. Like right now, looking at the first 72 picks in a startup, I'm looking at my tiers. Mm-hmm. So through 612, I have 10 players from this draft. Most of them towards the back end of that range, mm -hmm. but still in the top 72 picks. Do you think we see 10 in the top 50 picks next yeah, year? Yeah, I, I think if you just take 20 picks off of what you just said and raise up that bar, I think that's what we'll end up hitting. And a large part of it is this dynasty landscape right now is weird. The good running backs are old. I mean, they're all getting older. I think Kamara is 26 and going to be turning 27. Henry's already 28, I think, off the top of my head. Mm -hmm. And so those backs are going to start diving in value as soon as we have anyone else to replace them. As soon as that's why me and you are completely okay with Brees Hall. I don't care if he's a good running back or not. If he sees the field, he's going to end up being like running back six or seven going into next year's draft cycle. Just because everybody else is going to drop off. Like, think about, like, right now, and I know he's not a, a bulletproof prospect by any means. Mm -hmm. He's not top of the line. He's not generational. But right now, I think it's I, I think it's very realistic and reasonable to have Brees Hall as a top 10 dynasty back right now. Yeah. Right now, as it stands today. And some of that is, you know, of course, looking at the landscape, just like you mentioned, we have Dalvin Cook, he's 26. Kamara, 26. Mixon, 25 but if he would go out there and have a bad season for the Bengals next year we already know how volatile his value can be mm -hmm. everybody's out on him one day and then in on the next just because of uh you know the volume and production here in 2021 Eckler 26 Chubb 26 Henry 28 just like you said those are five six guys that are going to drop just because forget about production just from perceived value they're yeah, going to drop they could all have 2,000 yards next year and they're going to drop That'd be wild if they all had 2,000 yards. In the NFL, know. it could happen. But, you know, again, talking about Brees Hall specifically, look at Javante Williams' value. Yep, that's the case point right there, man. He isn't even beating out Melvin Gordon, who everybody's praying is not re-signed. I, I could see it happening. He's coming back, yep. But now let's say Brees Hall gets in a situation where he is a lead back somewhere and he is productive and he puts up top 12 numbers. If like the, the, the sky, like there's no limit to what his value could be age, potential rookie production, and just don't be on 
I was going to say the wrong side of a committee, but a full-blown 50-50 committee. Right. Yeah. I mean, if it's you and like whoever, uh, kind of what we thought was going to happen with Travis Etienne and James Robinson, like right. th- that would probably be okay, but you just don't want the full-blown. Well, obviously it doesn't really matter because Javante was in the straight up 50-50 committee and he's still running back three. <laughs> But a lot of it, I think, is just uh, the prospect of Melvin Gordon being gone, and hey, he's gonna be a bell cow, which is still to be seen. But that I just be- still think it's because there's no one else to value that high right now. Do you have everyone else coming off injury, or everybody else is old? I mean, you can't put Acres there with his injury, can't put Dobbins there with his injury, and everyone else is getting old. So all of a sudden, Javante boosts his way up. So you think he's valued? that highly by default okay i do and i i you know i I know you and i we've had we've exchanged i want to say jabs but maybe full-blown punches at at one point a couple of times uh verbally at least and i I don't think you're wrong i i don't think you're wrong by that uh with that statement so the little rundown of 22 picks 23 picks holding the bag getting stuck with those picks Mm -hmm. um where our thresholds are and I think some of the market movers that could potentially uh, play to our hand here, if that holds true, and and those those breaking points, like I, we said, Ray is certainly one of those guys that can move a market without a doubt. So, uh, okay, we talked about the picks. You want this is your show now. Oh, hey, thirty hey, minutes. Only in. took thirty minutes. I know. So you have some specific players you want to talk about that kind of fit the bill here, left holding the bag. And I know there were comments talking about uh, what was the what was Mike's comment on Twitter? Some Roku stock or something like that. Yeah, yeah and I, I made the comment about Circuit City. Circuit City, what a place! It was amazing back in the day. But the biggest reason why I wanted to bring this up is because I didn't want to do another podcast of like, hey. Is Ezekiel Elliott a buy or a sell? Do you want to go out and get Derrick Henry right now? What about Nick Chubb? I wanted to do assets that people really, really like right now, that there's really no reason to sell them, but you want to maybe, I'm not even saying trade these players. I'm saying these are players that, <coughs> sorry about there that. it is, uh, players that, I'm looking at to move, but just the process on why I am actually looking to move these players. So the first one I'm, I'm going to bring up is Terry McLaurin. And a lot of it is based off that high foreseeing out of the 23 class. So by the time that 23 class happens, I think he'll be 28. Terry McLaurin is a 75 catch, 1,000 yard guy. And he gets four or five touchdowns in there. That's what he gets. But we still don't know who his quarterback is going to be the upcoming year. What if they don't get a new quarterback and then he goes into the 23 draft and then they get a rookie at that point, Terry McLaurin's dynasty value is going to keep dropping. And this isn't a, Oh, I don't think Terry McLaurin's a good wide receiver. It's, is he going to be able to hold his value for 22 and going into 23 as of right now? I don't see Washington going out and getting Rodgers, right? He's not coming over. I don't see him going out and getting Russell Wilson. They're probably going to do another stopgap. And even if they get a rookie this year, is that rookie going to really help improve McLaurin's stat lines of what we already know he's going to get? And so right now, 
Uh, John said, we are not going to say trade Terry McLaurin for a 23 first or for a 22 first. So I'm not going to do that. So I actually pulled up John's tears. So hopefully this will work. Would you trade Terry McLaurin right now for Travis Etienne? Do you think it'll be accepted is more of what I'm asking, not if you would do it, but do you think that is an okay trade? I don't think it would be accepted. What about Elijah Mitchell? Do I think it would be accepted? Those Elijah Mitchell people, man. I know. They're, no, they're it's kind of that breed. late, late-ish first value that I'm looking yeah. at. Um, I don't know if it would be accepted, but it's counterable. Ooh, yeah, would I offer it? So you don't even know if you'd offer it. See, I would offer it. Yeah, but but I think that's a good scenario there. I think ETN, I have them tiered together. Mm-hmm. But from a value perspective, I think ETN, I, I, I don't know anybody that's going to move ETN from McLaurin. I think that would be, you know, especially people that held on to ETN, they want to see what they got now at this point. Right. Coming back from the injury, Urban Meyer is gone. Hopefully Trevor Lawrence, you know, getting adjusted to the NFL and James Robinson with that Achilles injury. Yeah, we saw Cam Akers pretty explosive on Monday night this week. But I think there is that hype about Tra- Travis Etienne. So I, there is that. I, I don't think that would be accepted. See, and I was trying to come up with a wide receiver to trade. But those, they're so hard. The only one I could come up with was maybe Jerry Judy. If you have someone who's kind of out on him. But there's so much hype on a new quarterback coming in and new coaching staff that it's pretty hard. Even though Judy's value is definitely lower than McLaurin's. Yeah. See, it's tough when you say you can't include picks, isn't it? It's really hard. Yeah. So you got to find the players that match up. All right. So if you're looking to get out of, of Terry McLaurin, let me, would you trade McLaurin for Ryan Tannehill? No. Yeah. You would? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm looking at players a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Terry McLaurin for CEH. No. See, that's the one. I, I'm not getting into CEH at all. <laughs> He's like, yeah. Nope. <laughs> And then I, I think at this point in time, Aaron Jones, Ezekiel Elliott, Miles Sanders, is that too low? I could see Miles. I could buy into Miles for one more year. I could do that. Yeah. But see, yeah, it's, it's that it's that range of players that I'm looking to move out on. But it's the same thing. It, it's trying to, and that's what we all do from a, a dynasty perspective. Mm-hmm. You try to look at the current landscape. You try to evaluate it. You try to make educated guesses and decisions. I mean, guesses is a, is a great word because like you said, we don't know who's going to go up and who's mm-hmm. going to go down, but, but we put the time in, we try to have these evaluations. So two years from now, Terry McLaurin, 28 years old, who knows if he's still in Washington. I, I like Terry McLaurin. I, I know, right. you know, yeah. th- like Nothing you said, this isn't, it's not anti McLaurin, but what do you even think about, you know, conversations I've had with folks, they're concerned about, you know, what's going to happen with Chris Godwin, the injury, is he still going to be in Tampa? Is Tom going to be there? Is he going to get a contract somewhere else? Maybe he does a one year type thing because of the injury. And then, you know, so question marks there, but we've seen Chris Godwin in his high level production. It's only a six month difference there in age, Mm -hmm. but sometimes that's an eternity in dynasty uh, values. And I, Maybe that's a move people might be interested in making Terry McLaurin to Chris Godwin. Yep. I think that's something that could be done. Yeah, if you do that, I would do that one in a heartbeat, to be honest. Now, if we wanted to include 22 picks, let's bend the rules a little bit. 
<laughs> that do didn't you, last long. <laughs> no, no. Let's open it up a little bit because people do have those picks. I'm and moving for the 109 right now. 101, 110. I would be. That's right yeah. around Drake London range, I think. I would move him for 109. Yeah. I, you know, and again, a lot of it comes down to, and I, I always hate this question and we get it all the time. Would you move uh, Terry McLaurin for 107, 108? So much of it for me, because we play in almost exclusively super flex leagues. Mm-hmm. So much of it for me is where are those quarterbacks going? And at this point in time, all the NFL mocks we've seen, there's so many, there's such a wide range. Hey, Matt Corral could go one first overall or, you know, uh, top 10 or whatever. First overall is a little crazy there, but top 10. And then some folks don't even have them going in the first. And like that, you don't typically see that, especially with a quarterback that many see as the first quarterback off the board. So it is critical. Where do those quarterbacks go? Because if they slip, if they start to go in the second of the NFL draft, then these skill position players start to get bumped up. And now you traded Terry McLaurin for a uh, Sky Moore or Wandell Robinson, who very well could be good players, mm-hmm. but then it starts to get a little iffy, you know? True. Um, so I would love to get 107 or 108 if I could. Push comes to shove. Maybe I maybe I do it for 109 from a value perspective. But, you know, I know there's people listening saying, Holy crap, I wouldn't move Terry McLaurin for the 109. Not with this awful draft class. <laughs> this draft Not, class sucks. <laughs> yeah, no way. No way. Um, but yeah, trying to get out ahead of things. Uh you know, like I, I'm I'm trying looking at other wide receivers here. All right, all right. Well, uh, uh, real well. just talking about the landscape. Michael Thomas went from the wide receiver one yeah. overall. <laughs> Injury, uh, some question marks at quarterback to what wide receiver 30 in, mm-hmm. in a lot of people's tiers and rankings yep. so that's how slippery that slope can be once we start hitting 27 28 try to get a first for deandre hopkins yeah it's try challenging get early second it's not gonna happen yeah so i think terry McLaurin's an interesting name again not looking to ship him off for nothing mm-hmm. but it certainly could be a nice opportunity there if people are down on this class all right so i tell you before the show i didn't know if i even want to mention this player because like i have his jerseys on my wall but it's going to be DeAndre Swift. And I know this is going to go over, you know, like they say, a turd in a punch bowl, right? Like, why would you move DeAndre Swift? But the reason behind it is that 23 class coming in. So right now, he's either everybody's running back two or running back three. And I mean, at worst, if you have him at running back four, I would probably adjust your rankings, to be honest with you. But it's about buying into that offense in 2022. So from every looks and everything that's coming out of Detroit, they're not going to be drafting a quarterback in this draft unless they get him in the very late first with the Rams pick they have or in the second. And those are players that we've always been pretty iffy on, especially, you know, in this class, like what we brought up. And so it looks like Jared Goff is going to be leading this team again going into next year. Do I believe this team is going to be that much better statistically than it was in 2021? I really don't see it. DeAndre Swift has already missed. He missed three games his rookie season. He missed four games this season. And it's for different issues. So I'm not saying he's injury prone, but he also hasn't stayed on the field like someone who Jonathan Taylor has as the running back one. And so I think there's every opportunity for this Detroit Lions team to go and have a three and 14 season next year. 
That's really where to stay still. The 17 games will always mess me up. I know. I can't get used to it still. But it's not that I don't like DeAndre Swift. He's an amazing running back when he's on the field. But it's I don't have faith in the Lions as a whole. And I think that could end up dropping. Say he only has 850 rushing yards and 600 passing or receiving. Passing would be amazing, but receiving next year. So he has 14. That might be Jared Goff next year. Yeah, he has that overall. But then all of a sudden we have Gibbs coming in next year. You know, we have Robinson coming in next year. And it's it's just going to change everything as it is to where you said, like we're going to see those 2023 picks being drafted in the first round of startup drafts next year. It's going to happen. So you're going to have to look at with some of these players. I have Hawkinson on the list too. On Do you believe this offense is going to be good enough in 2022 to help either keep this guy's value where it is or is it going to exceed? And Swift, really, he's not going to beat out Jonathan Taylor at this point. It's not like the realm of possibilities is really low on that one. So is he going to go from running back two and stay at running back two? Or could he go from running back two and end up as running back six or seven? That happens. You're losing around a half in startup value right there. Now, let me put you to the test here. Well, first of all, you mentioned DeAndre Swift. You mm-hmm. mentioned TJ Hawkinson. You're missing a name, and it's my man. It's bright over here, the sun god. I'm on Raw. Mm-hmm. You're, you're okay holding the bag on him. It's because I think Jared Goff is going to be the quarterback. We mentioned it when Almond Raw St. Brown came out. Jared Goff loves throwing to the slot, man. Like he do, ain't do throwing. They, do, they have, do they have breakfast together, though? That's the big question. Oh, that's a good point. You know, Goff probably doesn't even eat breakfast at this point. Nah, I, I could see a naughty yeah, breakfast. Yeah. DeAndre Swift. I actually have a trade. Okay, let's hear so, it. So tell me if I'm wrong on this one. But I went Brandon Cooks. And either Nick Chubb, I had Cam Akers to begin with, but the Cam Akers hype today is so far off no. the chart. Yep. But it's Nick Chubb and Brandon Cooks. So you could actually move that to a team that might be looking to rebuild a little bit, but you're getting two very good fantasy starters on your team. Man, that's intriguing. Um, Remember, don't use picks. we got to use those two players. I know, I know, I know, and I apologize for the delay. Uh, Chubb and Cooks. No, I want a little bit more. You want more? Yeah, I need a little bit but more. But you see it being accepted pretty good, pretty easily. Yeah, I think it would be All accepted. Right. So that's something you're going to offer. I like. I, I love the conviction. I love standing behind the take and the thought. I, I just, I think you could get a little bit more personally. You could. And this is really going off your tears, to be honest, too. So I was trying to make everything match up pretty nicely because I knew that would help you accept it a little bit more. But what if it wasn't Brandon Cooks? What if it was like Elijah Moore and Nick Chubb? That, now so we're whistling a different So you're team. not going old, old. You're going like young and old. Yeah, I would be more willing to do that one. And I, I think you are... You know, you are right there. Not, I, I do not, I'm trying to be careful about how I phrase this. I, I don't want to say, you know, uh, an asset or a player, we believe he's peaked. Sell him. He, he, had, a, he had a good right. season. You know, yep. Get rid of him. Get rid of him. But from a value perspective, and that's what we're talking about here, like you said, he's not going to uh, surpass Jonathan Taylor. Most likely going to be passed up by at least two of those 23 backs. So this is kind of the two year look ahead. Uh, 
Najee, McCaffrey, two years from now, he's 27, get rid of him. Uh, Dobbins, Javante, Gibson, who knows where they are. I see. I think Swift is one of those players that can maintain his value, but then it comes down to a production question. Mm-hmm. And I think having Elijah Moore and that, I always say insulated value. We saw what he was able to do at the quarterback carousel there in New York, but Nick Chubb, who's just severely undervalued 26 years old, you get a few more years out of him. We feel confident and comfortable with that. I, I think that it could get done, and I I I would be okay with that. That's good. That's good. I, I I didn't want to bring him up, man. Everyone knows he's my favorite player in the league, but it's just one of those players to where what if something bad happens, and then you lose out on all of that value. We've seen it, you know. I don't want to compare uh, him to Sam Darnold, but, well, I lost a lot of value on Sam Darnold this year. So, uh, DeAndre Swift, would you move him one for one? Hot hot topic here, CD Lamb. Not for CD, no. AJ Brown. Do you hate no AJ way. Brown. <laughs> Brown? I know. I that know. ain't gonna happen. Uh, Tyreek. Yeah, see, that's. I think that's pretty fair. I would prefer to get a running back back with him. That's why I kind of picked a lower running back to go with a wide receiver because there's not a lot of leagues to be honest that I can move a DeAndre Swift and pick up a wide receiver and still have any chance of competing because that's, I kind of drafted him in those spots for that reason. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I think it's an interesting name. I think there's going to be a lot of pushback, you know, without uh, a lot of of one-star reviews there. Hey, Mitch, you have two, two Swift jerseys, not even one. You have two Swift jerseys and you're trying to throw this man under the bus and you're trying to get rid of him. Come on. Yeah. You know, I, I, if I'm looking at this tier for me, I have Swift and Harris in the same tier. Harris might have been a name I brought up. Mm-hmm. You know, I Her- if, Harris is right there for me. I just, I didn't know if we we're going to talk about Deontay, but we're probably going to run out of time on him tonight. So, yeah, yeah, uh, and that's what I actually would disagree on. I know, I know yeah. that that might be another pod. We might have to bring that up on why you are still willing to have him, and I want no part of Deontay. That being. Uh, uh, Deontay Harris, of course. No, Deontay Johnson. <laughs> I was like, what are you searching for, man? We actually did talk about Deontay Harris somewhat recently. I mentioned his name in the Discord like a month ago. That's funny. You know, you know you're looking for stuff to talk That's about right. when you start bringing up Deontay Harris. But yeah, so it, it really comes down to the idea of that 23 class coming in, mm-hmm. flipping everything upside down. These players commanding the, these higher valued spots here, but then all of the possibilities, DeAndre Swift and uh, uh, Terry McLaurin. I, I agree with Terry a little bit more, but all of the ways that things could go wrong, but also, uh, you know, I'm always one, whether it's a startup or an existing league to split up an asset. Yep. You know, I, I like to do, I do. We did the team breakdowns for a couple months for the patrons. And that was always one of my suggestions. If you're looking for depth and we know how critical it is, it, this day and age, look at the guys that were seeing the field this year that were league winners that were really getting involved in a lot of these offenses. It would really pay to have depth. So I, I like you mentioned, Nick Chubb, Elijah Moore. I, I want to throw that in the discord tonight because I think that could be, I don't know. It's like the Swift type versus the Nick Chubb production. He's old. I, mm-hmm. I, I would say it'd be like 70, 30 Swift. Probably. So. I think so too. But I think that that's kind of what makes it a, a good, trade you know something that both sides can 
can look at here. All right, any other players? Though I was going to bring up just Dawson Knox because that's a pretty big topic going around right now. And so if I was going to move Dawson Knox because let's say I just didn't believe that he was going to keep that touchdown production going into next year, I would actually look to upgrade with him. I wouldn't want to downgrade because there's really no one down below him that I would want to be trading for as far as value goes. So I was thinking like Dawson Knox adding some like Damian Harris and maybe Ramonde Stevenson and trying to get up to Goddard. I think he would be tough right now. I think he'd be really tough. I agree. Uh, despite the age difference, would you pivot up to Darren Waller? Yeah, I would. I would love to pivot up from a bottom tier tight end to one of the upper ones and pay additional to do it more so than say, I don't like Knox. I want to go with Noah Fett instead, you know? Yeah. I mean, I paid up in the one league. I added the fan mm-hmm. to trade with you for Dawson you Knox. Yep. Uh, let's see. Dawson Knox. And I'll avoid picks for this one. Dawson Knox. So let's say it's two PPR for tight ends. I know a lot of the people that listen to the show take part in formats similar to that. Dawson Knox and Ba-ba-ba. do you think Dawson Knox and Melvin Gordon people could get you Melvin Waller? Ah, yeah, I yeah, that's, people that's hate him. Yeah. I'm looking at the tier though, and I'm like, they're all I know that crappy like names. That's just kind of how um, it is. And then, but yeah, the tear up. I I think Damian Harris is a potentially mm-hmm. good name there. Uh, maybe even Devin Singletary right now with the way he's been performing. I, I know you're throwing two bills at people there. Yeah, but Knox and Singletary for Waller and two PPR. People are worried that Dawson Knox. I mean, the the parallels and the comparisons right themselves between him and Robert Tunyon. Yep. I think the utilization's a little bit different, uh, but certainly bolstered by the touchdowns. Whereas a player like Darren Waller, hopefully that target share spikes back up. You know, he's dealing with the injury, but we saw a nice little uptick there in that wild card game. Yeah, I, I think a Knox plus Singletary Knox, I would say Penny, but people are almost paying a first. <laughs> Penny might Penny. be Goddard at this point, to be honest with you. <laughs> uh, Knox and Pollard. Yeah, people love Pollard. I'll never understand it, but I could actually see people accepting that. Yeah, I think that could work. I never All would, right. but. <laughs> no. All right. Well, again, kind of just trying to give ideas. And I always say, mm-hmm. not trying to convince anybody of anything, but if we say one thing and you're like, oh, yeah, I didn't think of that. Or that's something I can take advantage of yes. the other way. So I'll have a trade offer in the morning because of this. I already yeah, know it. That's probably going to be for me. And it's not even going to take until morning. I might do it here in about 10 <laughs> minutes. But always just trying to throw ideas out there, throwing more uh, I know, obviously, we use specific players, but still trying to look at the broader uh, picture yep. and trying to be able to to look at the strategy and, if you will, the theory behind it. Um, so some potential moves there, some opportunities, some players. DeAndre Swift, I don't know, Mitch. I might have to take those jerseys off. Of you. I know, I know. Yeah, I should. Yeah. It's a damn shame. Final thoughts. Throughout this this time right now, and I've even I think I did it earlier today. Don't make a trade because you're bored. Don't oh, make yeah. a trade because <laughs> you're trying to spice things up. I I always say it's like when you're talking to your kid. Do as I say, not what I do. So don't make a trade because you're bored. As I go and offer a trade mm-hmm. later at night because I can't go to sleep, laying there. Hey, I'm gonna offer a trade. But I yeah, I mean everything should have a reason behind it, not just hey, 
let, let's deal. I'm, I'm bored. So, uh, yeah, that's my final thought. We'll stick with that. Yeah, I'm just going to go with take all of these news reports we have coming out of upcoming openings, what people see for next year, like little news blurbs with a huge grain of salt. Like we saw one today that was talking about Mason Rudolph. It looks like he's going to be the starter for Pittsburgh next year. And it was just a beat writer saying, well, they don't have anybody else right now. So it looks like this be Mason Rudolph. But the headline is Mason Rudolph starter in Pittsburgh in 2022. It's like, but, but that headline got you to click. Exactly. And that's why they do it. But just make sure you read into it and figure out the reasons why people are saying with a lot of, you know, Adam Schefter is getting fed this news from somebody and there's always one side telling their story and the other side hasn't got their story out yet. It happens constantly. It's actually getting worse and worse and worse with the upper media guys and you could tell who they're friends with and who they'll promote and who they won't. So just take your time, make sure you read the sources and actually know what the little blurb is saying. And then those of you that are, have been wondering, Dan has not left the show. Just oh, taking yeah, a little hiatus. Uh, you know, it just... I'm sure a few people are wondering, oh man, did Dan get canned? Dan, not Dan yet. Canned? Not yet. No. Um, crazy busy with work and, and yep. family, um, but all is good. Just take a little break. Take a little break. All right. We want to thank everybody for tuning in. Follow us on, well, Twitter. Quiet there sometimes. So follow us on Twitter at Dynasty Theory FF. Uh, find me at the Bauer Club. If you're watching on YouTube, you already know that. If you're listening to the show, you probably know that as well. Mitch, Dino MC. Remember the Patreon, five bucks a month. If you don't like it, bounce, but you're going to stick around. I have a feeling. Uh, a lot of exclusive content, extra bonus shows. So while we're on here every other week, we'll be rolling out a Patreon show on the off weeks that we don't do a show on here. So hopefully everybody has a fantastic week. Stay warm. Got a lot of snow. I got a lot of snow here in Pittsburgh. I didn't like it. Got a shovel? I don't want a shovel. But yeah, we'll catch everybody later. Have a great night. Peace.